You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Yeah, rumors, but not confirmed by Disney nor Lucas, but uh, next trilogy starting in 2022. An old republic, right? No, That's, no. I think newer than that. I think they call it the High Republic. Oh, I don't know. I don't know all the lore, you know. But it, it sounds now like that weed is legal. Like, yeah, the High Republic. High republic. Yeah, it feels that way. It's <clears throat> become like a Sacramento thing to walk around and like you smell pot on the street, which is still illegal technically. Like you're not supposed to smoke in public. But I haven't been in a major city in the last couple of years that didn't smell like pot yeah, most of it's the time. Interesting. I don't mind, but I guess it's the same thing. Like. You haven't ever been into a major city and walked on a corner and someone's not drinking a beer on the, at a bar. Yeah. It's the same thing, I guess. <laughs> London. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Glasgow. Uh, is it frowned upon pretty hard over there, pot? Because I know I some countries, tell. I think, is Australia? I think Australia, it's like, people think it's like Probably. heroin. Yeah. Not not having been there, I don't know. Um, you haven't either. But I think that we're, we could be on the verge of a, a, a national decriminalization. There's certainly been legislation about yeah. that. Because it's just the enforcement costs so much yeah. more. The juice is not worth the and squeeze. And the prisons and... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Especially depending on what happens next November or whatever uh, with the elections. Because one candidate that looks like they're doing well, it's going to automatically be no uh, pots free. Feel the burn. Yeah, feel yeah. the burn says we're smoking hippies every weekend. Yeah, but uh, depending who, yeah, I think you're right. Um, back to goddamn Star Wars. Okay, I think it's 400 years before A New Hope. Okay, so new world, but you know nothing we know about. Um, I don't. Why? Why did? Why did these things go backwards? I want to go forwards. I want to go forwards with everything. I don't want to go back. Yeah, I don't really mind, but I would probably prefer to go forward. I would agree. I guess it's cool to learn some of the history. So like they'll do, I actually kind of liked um, the in-between stuff. Like the So the Clone Wars or whatever cartoon was cool because it like flushed out between episode two and three. Uh, like I like that kind of. Yeah. So it's not backwards, it's not forward, but like <clears> you get deeper meanings and shit. And so that's what I think the goal is with this, even though it's not announced officially, but they're going to talk about like, I think it's around the time, and I'm making all this shit up because I, again, I don't know the deep lore, but it's around the time some Sith Lord made the rule of the Sith that there's only two Siths, mm. where there used to be tons. It used to be more of like a, you know, cult deal. Oh, I got another thing to talk about. Go. Fuck. Go. Uh, so that'll be good. Um, I'm excited for that. And the new Clone Wars. I watched, I think we talked about it on here. We watched the Michael Jackson documentary. Oh, I haven't watched it, no. Uh-uh. So we, I th- Leaving Neverland or Escaping <laughs> yeah. Neverland yeah. or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, I think it's Leaving Neverland. Two-part thing, two gentlemen now, probably around my age, talk about their experience with Michael Jackson growing up. Um, even within the documentary, which I believe was funded by them, and I sound highly biased because I am a Michael Jackson fan, but... Uh, this is fact, I believe. I believe the movie was funded by them or produced by the families somehow. Even in their hands-on production of this thing, um, I believe, and guys, tweet us or Instagram us from that far off. I believe there was, um, their stories weren't congruent. And so one of the episodes got taken down because it was like so wrong. Like they basically like lied, lied in this thing. They're not even live. They lied in these private <laughs> interviews that they edited, right? Like they said something like, "Oh yeah, in 1993." And again, don't quote me, but it's, it had something to do with like some construction in the in the amusement park. Like, "Oh yeah, we were riding the park, uh, we were riding the train in the park or something." And that was like '93, but the train wasn't even there until like '99 or something. You know what I mean? So like they just flat out lied, or or who knows what? I would say misremembered because like perhaps I would I would love to get a memory expert on here because perhaps. that's a, it's a memory is a real problem but that one like feels uh so and maybe 100 percent. but like some of this stuff i think because they were really definite in the years like when were you friends with michael jackson because they made it seem out like michael jackson only had like one boyfriend at a time and he was a little Mm -hmm. kid that's how the story kind of goes and like this one was from 88 to 93 and this one was from 93 98 Mm -hmm. and they kind of locked that in and maybe that was just for the documentary the power of the documentary or maybe that's how it was or how these kids remembered it and i do think like something like riding a train if you were not his boyfriend or whatever the heck 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's a little bit stretch. I do agree memory is fuzzy as shit, especially when you're a 10-year-old kid. And if you did, perhaps go through trauma. But what I watched this last weekend makes Michael Jackson look like a fucking saint uh, is the R. Kelly documentary. Oh, I've heard that that's Holy rough. fuck. <clears throat> like I an actual monster. Yeah. Like, I don't think... I'm I'm... My thought process on human beings is... I don't like human beings. I don't get along with a lot of people. I don't feel super connected to a lot of people. Generally, I say humans suck. Part of me, I think because I went to a really good school, I was privileged in a lot of ways. I have some really good humans in my life, my parents, some of my close friends, the guys in this room. I think humans, part of me thinks like, I I get really shocked when humans are like mean or selfish, right? So I'm kind of sheltered in some of that, like that there are just shitty humans where the, the, the conversation in my head is telling myself constantly that all humans suck. So I have this bipolar, there's this polarizing th- mm-hmm. thought process on how bad humans suck or not. When you see and hear stories of R. Kelly, oh, like I didn't know that kind of crazy, like it felt like a Dexter type movie. And even Dexter like it has more like redeeming qualities. Like uh-huh. he's trying to do good. Like this seems <clears throat> so dark and fucked up. And, and I... I try to see it from all angles. You guys should go watch it if you haven't. It's insanely disturbing. Um, but like Michael Jackson was assaulted sexually and probably raped when he was a kid. Sounds like R. Kelly went through similar things. And no way, and who knows, because both of them, by the court of law, are innocent. So who knows who did what, right? I don't know. I'm not making that judgment call. Let's just say they both did. And not that one, not that any of this is okay. But... uh Michael Jackson seems to still have like a heart and he just has fucked up wires and no boundaries and not taking responsibility for his actions to date young boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, again, not okay, but it seems like he has a heart. Like he didn't want to kill these kids. He didn't want, you know what I mean? It's fucked up. Where's R. Kelly is super twisted. Twisted. Yeah. Like, dark, like, like mean, like bad hearted. Like, like, yeah. Like, like, like uh, physically, emotionally sadistic and, and manipulative. You know what I mean? Um, it just seems like on such another, like beyond Bill Cosby even. Like it seems like so dark. And that one's horrifying too. And it's horrifying because, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that was a real like, oh shit. Because I was the kid that, I listened to Archilio as a kid. I bought one of his albums. And the other thing with that, I think is there's like a joke or stereotype of like Kelly peeing on people. Mm-hmm. But there's visual proof. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And he still got out of court. Like he still got out of being indicted. Like, there's visual video of him peeing on a little girl. And, like, you, you don't go to jail. And, like, and like he, like, like, the story goes, right? Because it's a documentary and it has biases as well. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he's, like, all these ins on, on, on cops in Chicago. Like, he, his, his Chicago roots run deep. Mm. So, like, he just escapes all these loopholes of, like... Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is, like, I feel like none of that... I feel the R. Kelly story was never in the news as much as Michael Jackson. Like Michael Jackson was a bigger star. Yeah. And the jokes were there and whatever. And the jokes were there in my generation too. In high school, everyone's joking about, you know, whatever. South Park made Michael Jackson jokes, made R. Kelly jokes or whatever. But R. Kelly stuff is so dark and so much broader and still going on right now. Like he has like basically like sex cult slaves of like youngish women. He like has locked up in his studio in Chicago. Yeah. That he doesn't let them see the light of day. Yeah. I was laughing at the peeing thing because it made me think of uh, Dave Chappelle, the Chappelle show. Right. That's that, what I mean. Like, there's whole, jokes on that. Yeah, that he I mean, did that song. was funny the way that was right. handled there, but it was also horrifying at the same time. And so. it's almost like, and I'm 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 one of the guys that I think you can joke about anything. Like, we need to try to, you know, make some light of stuff. So I'm not against that. But like, even me, I see like how dark. Like, this guy is El Diablo. Like, it's so dark. How how if it's possible, his brain is this shitty of a thing. I don't know. That was my weekend. I, I was sick, so I just watched. <laughs> just watched things that horrified you. It was wild. It was really, really wild because it, it was almost so bad that I couldn't even comprehend. I think, like, it didn't like hit me. Yeah. You know, sometimes things are so different from your life. They could, and again, I was like fairly pri- privileged. Like, mm-hmm. I had really good parents. I went to a nice little school, and I've never been sexually assaulted. You know, I'm a, I'm a decent sized white dude. Like that kind of stuff doesn't happen as often. So, like, to see some of this. And, and some of it, I guess, related to me in terms of, like, people trying to be manipulative or taking advantage. And obviously his goes to a fucking extreme. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
Yeah, like didn't hit me per se, but you see it and you're like, what the fuck kind of humans live on this planet? And we've dealt with people who basically were mostly out for themselves and, and yeah, the whole, take advantage of, of yeah, people in any any every other way any and every way that they can yeah the whole fitness industry like, yeah like the but the issue like is like some people in this fitness industry the worst part of them is that they're you know kind of on that psychopath line where they don't really feel emotion and then they're narcissists like diagnosed diagnosable mm-hmm. narcissists where they literally just selfish beyond belief and will do whatever they can to fulfill their own needs and there's spectrums of that there's some people that are just selfish mm-hmm. and they come off as dickheads and they still kind of feel emotions so they're not like diagnosably on these levels you know but mm-hmm. they're just dicks that's where going back to mike's polarizing view i just think more people are dicks and then there's some extreme but like gar kelly's like narcissist <clears throat> his narcissism I- issue is, is like the least of his issues <laughs> you know like he's just so fucked up and that is still happening right now is wild like this documentary was shot in 2018 and it's talking about it goes back in time you know Aaliyah, the r&b singer yeah he married her when she was like 14 yeah and he was 27 yeah um but then yeah which jerry lee know. lewis married his like 13 year old cousin way back in the day too oh. like yeah and then, and then and then this stuff's still going on, obviously, because R. Kelly's never been caught, never taught a lesson, never locked up, never anything. So. Is, it, is there something going on right now? I yeah, feel he, like he has a sex cult. I mean, I, I, but I feel like, like isn't he facing something right now? Oh, hopefully. Maybe because of this documentary, more things came up. The issue came to be, which is understandable, that the sex tape that got released, he films every sexual act, like a little trophy. Jesus Christ. Um, I think he got off. He only went to court once, which is wild, because I think Michael Jackson went two or three times. Is that he, um, the girl and the parents that were, the, the girl that was in the video, who was whatever, 15 or 16 at the time, yeah, said it wasn't her, and then the parents wouldn't identify her in the video, and that's how we got off. Where other multiple people said, like, no, this is my best friend, that's definitely her in the video. Um, and obviously there's reasons, whether it be financial, whether it be manipulation, whether it be fear, there are reasons to say or see why she didn't... Um, uh, Admit that, but and then I think he got off, and nothing else has come up. Oh, um, one one girl tried to get him um, for uh, she kind of went like the light route, which I kind of like. It's kind of sneaky too. Uh, I think she was eighteen or nineteen, but he gave her an STD, and so she's trying to su- sue him um, for unknowingly or whatever. I'm sure there's some fancy law phrase I don't know, um, which is kind of cool because she's not saying rape. She's, uh, not, she's not she's saying, saying that she's going like this light heart so that hopefully all this other dark stuff comes up. Like mm. she knows that he's fucking around with all these girls and being a monster. Um, but she's just like doing like a light one. I don't know. But yeah, it seems like he runs so deep with the law that it's in his money that he's tries just tries to be above the. Yeah, above he the is. Law. He feels untouchable. That's what they, they kept talking about his God complex because he's like in with all these people. He is currently being charged with bribery <laughs> over his 1994 marriage to Aaliyah. Because oh. uh, he had two he wives, said that he he bribed a um, basically a cor- uh, court official. Oh, yeah, because they lied about her age. Yeah, lied, lied about her age. Yeah, uh, one of his homies. He was twenty seven. She was fifteen. Yeah, and they said she was eighteen. Yeah, one of his homies in the documentary. It's actually kind of sad. He was like his personal assistant, one of his good friends. He mm-hmm. like cries and shit because he's like, yeah, I forged papers for that wedding. He's like, I feel terrible. That is. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, if you guys want a crazy story, one of the craziest stories I think I've ever heard. And I listen to a lot of R. Kelly, uh, which I guess, and what makes it seem, because my parents were like, I think they were actually a good amount of strict on me. Like they didn't let me listen to Eminem stuff until I was like in high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just some normal, like not over-restrictive, mm-hmm. but like Eminem said on his first two albums, said some really fucked up shit. So like for them not to let me listen to it until I'm 16 is pretty good, I think. Pretty um, reasonable. Where they didn't wait till I was 21 <laughs> to listen right. to like the F-bomb, right. but like, yeah, he's talking about Whatever. Um, they let me buy an R. Kelly album in like seventh grade, right when this stuff was going on. That's the craziest thing about R. Kelly and the way he does have a God complex. He dropped like one of his biggest albums while like this sex story was like hitting the main media. Like he just didn't give a shit. Like he felt like he couldn't be touched. And and his album did so well, it overdrowned his uh, legal issues in the news, which is just wild. That is wild. But like that didn't even happen to Michael Jackson. Like everyone always brought up his shit. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. Well, slight palate cleanser before we get into go the, go watch that. I do think it's good. Before we get into that, I I I've been um, uh, continuing to work around my house and stuff, and sometimes that means I've got YouTube on, and I just like let 
let things cycle through. Somebody that I've gotten um, exposed to lately is who is outside of our industry, but I think he's killing YouTube. Is uh, um, his YouTube channel is uh, Tavarish. He's a car guy, and he does. Um, he takes shitty cars and makes them nice. Um, like a legitimate pimp your ride kind of deal? Uh, well, actually, the, his, he did a huge three-episode series in December that was uh, a pimp my ride uh, van that was literally on the show. It was like in the last season uh, of the show or I whatever. I think I saw a thumbnail for this and never clicked it. Yeah, and he uh, he bought it cheap and then... Um, reworked it like fixed everything and like literally like all the weird shit that they put into it all the monitors yeah and the the uh, amplifiers and all that stuff ended up ultimately working and am i right an amazing concept for a show uh, yeah i mean some of the work is super shit because it's done under a very tight time line but this apparently was was not it was it was it was in better shape than you would imagine it had, a, it had a like disco dance floor in this van. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Yeah, just like how would ever how would this ever be? The concept's funny. Like, oh, you like movies, and then they put a popcorn machine in your car. Right. Yeah, right. I like that. <clears throat> but you know, obviously, it's it's a build show, so there's a lot of of montage, like high speed montage stuff, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And I watch this show and I figure, why does this work? Like, what is it about it that works? And it's totally the guy's personality. Yeah. He's like accessible and funny and and reasonably well spoken in a way that doesn't have to be edited. Yeah, and it just works on on YouTube. I become somewhat, I think, a critic. Like you, 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 you do it a, a good way. I think you're like um kind of like an art critic when you watch YouTube videos and stuff because you've done it so long or production of yeah podcasts or whatever. I I think I I try to do it, but I just become a dick. Like I was watching some <laughs> chicks like wedding vlog and it had like seven million views. And I'm watching it with Aye. my yeah. I'm watching it with my Twitch chat, and a couple people in my Twitch chat were f- uh, fans of this lady. I guess she used to work for BuzzFeed. <laughs> Sorry, lady. I think you're lovely, uh-huh. uh, but I'm like, this chick sucks. Like, like there, she's so vanilla. She uh-huh. has like no like personality, and it's like whatever. I think you could make this wedding vlog about anybody. It would turn out the exact same as this, mm-hmm. and like. Like, I get why people watch Bart Kwan more than me, or Bart Kwan in general. Like, he's funny. He does goofy. He doesn't give a shit. He'll do whatever. He'll say whatever. Um, plus, he's obviously done content forever. Like, people are attached to his story in his life. But he's actually, like, funny. You know, like, yeah, there's something about Bart's personality. If you get him in the right mood, like a work mood or, like, an energetic mood, mm-hmm. he's being goofy. He's hilarious. But I'm watching this vlog. I'm like, 7 million views trending on YouTube. And, like, this girl, I even get the Kardashians. Like, do I want to watch the Kardashians? No, but I get it. I mm-hmm. understand why you watch this. Like, I understand why you're so obsessed with this billion-dollar lifestyle and the bit fake ass, and I get it. I get it. I just, I guess so I want to get it, and so I turn into more of a hater than a critic. Because some of these things, I'm just like, all right, this is well shot, but any vlog can be well shot, and there's really shitty shot vlogs that mm-hmm. do well and are entertaining. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be well shot in a vlog's case. I think in the show you're talking about production matters a little more. You know, because if it's a shitty shot... Like build or you know it just feels clunky, but a vlog can feel clunky and still be okay. Yeah, I just I actually just watched one that it was from several months ago that it was a a collab with another YouTuber where they the other guy got a um <clears throat> got a car that was you know in in reasonably terrible condition and they gave themselves like four days to to make a significant it was a it was a BMW it was a it was a BMW sports car yeah. And Maybe uh, I should hit him up. He can work on my car. And uh, he's from Florida. Uh, I don't know how we'll get my car there. Maybe we'll get him out here. I don't know. Uh, anyway, though, like it was a four-day build thing, and they shot a bunch the first day, and then they shot a bunch the last day. And the days in between, they were not that interesting, and so they just didn't include yeah. that stuff. Yeah. It's like, here's what we did during those days that we're not showing you. Yeah, you can give a little list. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I can totally understand that, but... Um, uh, if you want to, if you want to watch one of these and react to it on your on your Twitch, the one uh, I think it's called I couldn't handle. Uh, I couldn't handle driving my um, Lamborghini show car, something like that. But he he gets very emotional. He he actually rebuilt a car for a Lamborghini, a fast and furious Lamborghini for SEMA. 
That's dope. And, you know, same bills are like crazy. People yeah, yeah. do crazy stuff. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it runs up to the last minute and all this stuff. But, like, he, he gets a little bit into his background. His parents came from oh, the cool. Soviet Union all this stuff. And he gets emotional while he's driving. And, like, it'll get you. Yeah. Trust me. But, anyway. Like that. That's, like, the good part of YouTube. Because that is, like, organic and authentic. Right. Yeah. But, like, I'm watching it because I'm, you know, because I'm watching how things are constructed. And it's like. When you go into those situations, you know, or if you're the camera person or whatever, you know uh, where somebody's emotional hot buttons are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's a chance that you're going to get them to tear up on on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you you construct it. It doesn't mean that it's not legitimate. No, it doesn't for sure mean not. that it's not not it's like semi scripted. You would call it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to need you yeah. to, and you don't really do that. You only say, no. I need you to get emotional here. It's no, like no, no. it's a it's a bonus if it happens, but yeah. you kind of know where the buttons are. Right. Yeah, you just ask more questions along those lines. Yeah. We've, I've not made anybody cry on this show, but on my other show, I have. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So uh, on to our actual topic. Greg Knuckles. Greg teach us the world, buddy. Knuckles. The uh, topic that we're, we're talking to him about this time is uh, how to figure out whether or not a particular program is good for you. If you are... And a lot of this revolves around wh- whether you're a beginning lifter, an intermediate lifter, or an advanced lifter. I think if you're advanced, you probably know. But I don't that, even know, though. Maybe uh, not. Because I think it is hard. Because um, I, 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 I simplify it as coaching. And again, some of these questions overlap with you know what I would consider my expertise. So, so this is something I deal with. Um, but we're going to help, hopefully, with Greg, help you guys identify what will help you find a program or something to help you on your New Year's resolution or fat loss or strength journey. Yeah. I, I do think it's hard sometimes because, like, number one to me is just rate of progress. If you Strength training is the most easy one to simplify. If you can add five pounds to your deadlift every single week or a rep to your deadlift mm-hmm. every week, you're probably a beginner. Um, if, you, if it takes you every, like, six to eight weeks, you're probably an intermediate if it takes you three months, you still might be an intermediate, and then we start to get gray area. Um, <laughs> when you started getting into the the five percent or ten percent yeah. or whatever, yeah, you're squeaking that's... things out, and then yeah, then you know you're pring twice a year or once a year, and it's a small pr. Now you're obviously advanced, but and there are phases in between, and, and it doesn't have to be you know a lockbox at each stage. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Um, the only thing that matters is how often can you maybe test a new PR or how often can you add load to the bar um, in terms of powerlifting. But even in terms of other stuff, you know, like um, it gets a little more sciencey and hard to do without a lab, but how much muscle you can put on in a year, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, much easier for a beginner. And uh, Greg might have numbers for us, which would be great because I don't, but beginner might be able to put on 20 pounds of muscle, lean tissue in a year. An advanced person, I don't know. <laughs> two. Depending upon what their metabolism yeah, is like, yeah, whether my, they're willing to eat enough to actually... Yeah, yeah, and genetics obviously play a role in all this. You know, yeah. some, someone could someone could train, um, you know, if you have insane genetics, you could go through the new beginner gains, maybe for three years, you could mm-hmm. add like five pounds to your deadlift, potentially, who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, there's some people that have deadlifted 700 pounds uh, training for a year or two, and then, you know, takes other people a decade, but... Um, so for me, it's rate of progress and that's <coughs> the easiest way. And, um, you know, when you're talking about the, like snowflake stuff that I hate and how special you are and I can't eat this cause of my metabolism and I can't train this way. Um, the more beginner or even intermediate you are, the more anything works. Mm-hmm. You get some high school athletes, you get someone new to powerlifting who hasn't really strength trained at all. Um, you can just kind of put them under any kind of load, any rep scheme and you'll pr- make some kind of progress. It doesn't... There's as long less, as you don't injure them. Yeah, there's like n- no right or wrong. Like yeah. if you're trying to do powerlifting, yeah, you probably want to hit some kind of, you know, sets of five threes and ones or something a little heavier, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, the more advanced you get, now we have to really try to troubleshoot and find ways to work around injuries because you've been doing this thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially work on muscular weaknesses or lift weaknesses um, or weak points. Uh, and then also allow you to progress mentally and physically through training cycles enough so you just withstand training long enough that perhaps you can squeak out a PR. That's literally what it becomes is that you can just withstand enough volume in training over six months that you can then feel good enough to kind of test your next PR. And that's literally the basics of being an advanced person. Yeah, and, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, about conjugate. And a thing about conjugate is that you're you're changing the test so often that you're the you're not comparing to last week or three weeks ago or whatever you're comparing to sometimes months ago because your your exercise variation is so 
uh, enormous. Yeah, I think that's something they don't talk about on Westside <clears throat> is like Westside conjugate, and even Louis doesn't talk about uh, beginners and stuff really, which kind of sucks. He talks about his training methods being the best on the planet, and then he talks about his gym being for the best. But he never says that his training methods are for the best. And in terms of gear lifting or even other stuff, like it kind of is. Like you don't really build a like. And I know his argument would be GPP, and that's how you build your base with Westside. But yeah, um, I don't think that's an optimal way to build your strength training base. Um, I think sure some dumbbell presses, some sled work, and all that's great for athletes or powerlifters, fine. But it's more optimal to build your base with the specific lifts. Mm-hmm. And then even if you wanted to go to a more variation type, even a full beginner, if your goal is strength training to either look good or or get stronger, you want to milk the big lifts as much as you can. If they yeah. if they work for your body um, and you can do them, um, they're the most bang for your buck in terms of the musculature you're using, the load you're using, the range of motion, and that's why they are popular. That's why squat, bench, dead, overhead press, row, chin-ups, that's why they are what, what they are. So you want to squeak those out before you start adding bands and chains. There's just no reason for it until you are more advanced. You might need to circle around. Um, and even when you are super advanced as a raw lifter, um, those are like a little bit of spice to add so you can continue to progress without just doing insane amount of volume on mm-hmm. the specific lifts and getting physically... Uh, if not even just mentally burnt out. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll we'll see what Greg has to say. Yeah, talk to Greg. There are a lot of, you know, people are are publishing new programs all the time, and then there are old programs that have been around for a long time. And how do you determine whether or not a program is right for you based on whether you're a beginner or an intermediate lifter or if you're an advanced lifter? And uh, our supposition was somewhat, somewhat that you might not be able to tell if you're a a beginner versus an intermediate. I think that you should be able to tell if you're advanced, but I don't know that that's true. Greg, what is there? Is there a purpose for us kind of categorizing these things? I mean, the beginner is pretty obvious, right? Like I said, things like um, to pick a program or the differentiation in programming would look um, based on the progress you can make. And the simplest is strength training, and you can add pounds to the bar, or you can't add pounds to the bar, and then how many weeks does it take you to add some of those pounds to the bar, right? And so for a beginner, it matters. If you're just doing five sets of five at 80 pounds on the bench for an entire year, and you're not even trying to add some load to that thing, you're wasting your time, you're spinning your wheels as a beginner. You should be trying to add some load in there, and you probably can progress greatly. Yeah. Um, Where if you're Bryce Lewis or someone who's crushing weights at the highest level, that's not possible, and you got to find some different routes uh, to stimulate yourself and kind of just hang on to the barbell for six months before you try a new PR kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... I, I don't know. I honestly kind of hate the the novice, intermediate, advanced nomenclature in the first place because, like, I don't know... <laughs> I don't free know to challenge the premise, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll change the question. What do we, we don't give a fuck? <laughs> I, I, I just don't know that it helps anything. I don't think it, that's what's kind of my point too. Besides, like maybe a beginner knowing what to expect from their gains, um, but it is common. Like then people start to get real weird with it, like it's their sexuality spectrum, and I'm <laughs> I'm late, intermediate, advanced with a you know high likelihood of bench press success. Like bitch, I don't care what your, your personal issues are here. I hope this is on the record because that's funny. Go on. Yeah, but I I do I I kind of agree with you. That's why I said like I don't know if it really matters to categorize strictly as long as you know you're kind of in a very large ballpark of okay, I should try to PR every week. Okay, I should try to PR every six months, or maybe I should beg for a kilo every year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately, I, I think past the beginner stage, it it ultimately does just become a process of troubleshooting for the individual. And so, you know, if you are a quote-unquote intermediate trainee, appropriate training for you very well could look wildly different from someone else who is also an intermediate trainee. So I don't know why categorizing yourself like i i don't know what that gets you i don't know what it does for you yeah yeah and and some of it's marketing on the other side right and what we do because we're trying to make a product that's good hopefully and put it towards somebody but we have to categorize it to someone to to whether purely monetize it and funnel a niche that we're trying to sell to or like is even like nutritional strategies right like 
there's a beginner strategy, which is like, just don't eat Doritos all day, bro. You know? And then there's the advanced strategy, like you're trying to get bone shredded, like, all right, you need to track your macronutrients and hit these perfect goals every day. Um, but I agree the labels themselves don't necessarily matter. The methods uh, trump any kind of category you want to throw yourself in. And I don't know why it's a thing. And I feel like it's slightly less of a thing now, um, but it was highly a thing, I feel like, a year or two ago. Where I mean, was, it, it was... It, it was a ripito thing. I mean, as rip them, dude, get them <laughs> as, as, as the stock of ripito goes, so goes that terminology. Yeah. 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 And you're probably right. And, and that did make multiple, um, waves on the internet, but it made even more so of one, I feel like over the last couple of years, cause not to say, you know, everyone, every coach, Louis Simmons to rip to whatever you want to go to has added something of some value and given us some perspective. And there's something you can take from all their stuff. Um, but all, again, like what I just said, it like some of it is also just business driven rather than pure results yeah. driven, which I don't blame I, them. I, like, cause again, we all have to make our money too. I, I feel like we should adopt the old, uh, the old Soviet categorization where you have, uh, like, um, Is that like master uh, in sport, Greg, master yeah, I, in sport. I, I, yeah. I, I forget what the lowest level is, but, uh, you have candidate for master in sport, master of sport and master of sport international class. Old, old Shaco MSIC. I, I'm not against it. Is that based purely on performance or was that based on some kind of like education also? Yeah, it's based solely on performance. Yeah, because that was a thing I say even before the beginner intermediate stuff and in, in more the, the the geared powerlifting days. It was huge. Whether you're a pro, you're an elite, mm. or whatever. Like I remember when I first got in the real powerlifting scene. Like I had been powerlifting on my own and learning some stuff. I don't know since 2010. But when I hopped in the scene with like gym and super training and stuff in 2012 and dove way to like I went from <laughs> skimming some articles online to like <laughs> I'm in the middle of all this. And I know all these weirdos. Uh, that's what they're all about, like pro total, elite total in this category. I got a pro squat, but an elite deadlift. Like, bro, no one, no one cares, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, just try to get better and have some fun. That's a fair point. Yeah, why do you think you're so cool? I, I mean, all, all, all twenty-seven people who still do multiply powerlifting <laughs> probably care deeply. Well, then I'm going to go get an elite total and multiply it just to put on my Instagram, see if I can bring it back. I don't know. That wasn't easy. I never got one. Yeah, they, they are legit. And even in the USPA, um, I don't know. USAPL have things like that, like class one, class two. I don't know. If they, I, I, I think they do. USA, USPA are pretty legitimate. And shit, we can switch the topic if you want to just spitball a little bit here, Greg. Because uh, the US, which Jim and I, we don't go into powerlifting lore too often. We try to do like general fitness so people can, you know, actually apply these things because powerlifting stupid and no one really cares. But uh, <laughs> the USAPL just upped their uh, qualifying totals. And like I don't even Hell know. Yeah. I don't even know if which I do agree. I'm with you, but I don't even know if I would uh, <laughs> qualify anymore. Probably not. No, like they're insane. And and did you hear, Greg? I'm sure you did. Um, how they chose some of those? Like they took like a, I didn't. Yeah, they took like average I, I didn't of top hear twenty. How they chose them. Okay. I heard uh, depending on the weight class, they took like um, if there's twenty people with whatever total, they took like a uh, an average of that twenty, the top twenty finishers. If there's twenty people in that competitive category. I'm like, that's yeah, pretty I'm, extreme. I'm totally good with that. I am too, just based on that the IPF is any standard that we have of who's the strongest in the world, and they do a good job at it, um, regardless of politics and money. Uh, and so for the U.S., and the U.S. is arguably the best at it in the sport, so might as well make it a little bit more competitive. Yeah, well, why make it all so easy that it's a participation trophy and doesn't mean anything at all? That's why everyone's worried about if they're intermediates or not, because yeah, they've been getting cucked this whole time, <laughs> a la Greg. Because the USAPL. I think we just circled the whole thing back around. Yeah, man. Bunch of pansies. I mean, so I, I think it depends. I mean, I, I'm sure it's just a business decision. I mean, because they have to get such a big venue and they have to get it for so many days. Right. True. I bet it was just... I bet it was just simply a thing where, like, even though they had so many registrants, they were probably losing money on it. But they um, went from, like, nothing to everything. Like, I, I remember, uh, even, I haven't looked at the qualifying totals in a while, but, like, three years ago, like, my push-pull would qualify. And then now, like, I don't even know if my full total would. You know? 
Like yeah. it, it went extreme, which again, I'm kind of for, uh, whether it be business-wise or not, I don't really care, but it makes sense. Like if you're going to nationals, like make it feel cool. Like if you're one of the best in the nation, you mm-hmm. shouldn't just be of training for like six months. No, I, I, I agree. The, the counter argument I've heard is that like, that's what the Arnold is for, where like, uh, that's the one that's supposed to be the more exclusive meet. And then yeah, invite only for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But they could flip flop um, those too. Cause like you don't really qualify for IPF or anything at Arnold. You're just getting a high five. They no, they can't flip flop them. I mean, there there's no way that they would have enough money to get a big enough venue at the Arnold for like a nationals mm. size meet. True, but they have multiple days. Like it's already a bigger thing in some senses, right? Where they have like this challenge. Don't they have like a body, not a body weight squat, but they have some kind of squat for reps now. Like it's a little bit more of an exhibition. Yeah, I I mean the the meat and potatoes of it is still just like. A plain old powerlifting meet, though. True, true. Yeah, they have the um, pro deadlift day. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I'm pretty sure they have international judges, so you can set world records. Yeah, like I, think, I, I right. think that's one of the draws as well. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's I've never competed in the USAPL, and it doesn't matter to me at all because I would never go to nationals in the first place. Like. I have this crazy idea that gravity is roughly the same everywhere on Earth. <laughs> and so it, I would much rather drive eight miles to a meet than catch a plane ride and, you know, be stuck with like a $1,500 bill to go True. lift weights for a weekend. True. Um, so, yeah, I don't give a shit what they do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very similar to you. And it's weird because, you know. Our jobs and our whatever is surrounded with powerlifting, and we love the barbell and we, you know, the community and even the science behind it. But, uh, and I've talked about it all the time, everyone always just asks me when my next meet is. And I'm like, dude, I hate competing in powerlifting. Like, I think powerlifting as a sport is very stupid. And your gravity argument just reinforces my, <laughs> like, bitch, I'll go train at the gym. I, I, I can, I just like lifting for myself. I like lifting yeah. weights kind of, and it feels kind of good. And I've heard it's healthy, so I'm going to continue to do it. Yeah. I, 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 I feel pretty similar, I would say. Um, I, I still have a bit of a competitive streak. Like, there, there's still some numbers I'm looking at, um, but it's it's numbers that I'm looking at, you know. So, like, there's when I hit the total, I want to. I don't care if it's at Worlds or at Raleigh Ruckus, which is five minutes from my house. Yeah, yeah. And of those two it'll be at Raleigh Ruckus, you know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not flying to fucking Belarus to lift weights that I could five minutes from my house. Yeah, so. yeah, and I don't blame those people that like it either, but it's just, I don't know. There's just yeah. too many variables in the sport of powerlifting to make me not care. I think it kind of comes down to judging a little bit too, though. I mean, like, yeah. if, if a local meet is well-judged and you can put confidence in, in, in what somebody lifted at one, that's great. I think that um, I've certainly seen... Uh, the situation where that was the opposite and uh uh it was not uh i don't know there's, the, there's not the credibility around it yeah i and, think just for me because it's an accomplishment it's a personal accomplishment but the you know the circumstances of the of the test are somewhat yeah compromised. I, and i do yeah. agree the gym lift versus well i mean the if, competition if it's, lift if it's is a different. if it's a judging argument i mean judging tends to be considerably stricter at USAPL nationals than IPF worlds. Yeah. And it is. And then for me, it isn't, it's not that argument. Cause I just don't care again. Cause the power, you know, there's this bar and this weigh in and that person and this politics, which underwear this, you're wearing. Yeah. I just don't care. I literally just don't care. But I think for majority of people, if you are competitive, yeah, those are things you start to pay attention to consistency and judging, um, where you're training, traveling, weight class, all that matters. It's just literally never mattered to me, I guess. And I think you're trying to be a legend in the sport. You need to travel wherever you can travel and, and yeah. should be judged in all kinds of other conditions and stuff. But if you're a recreational lifter that just enjoys it, then yep. there, there really isn't a, a good argument for um, uh, traveling all around the world. And, and Well, I mean, if, if someone likes to do that, like, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop their shine. I mean, people, people spend money on hobbies, you know. Yeah, I mean, sure. So, if you're if you're someone who travels heavily to compete in every powerlifting meet you can qualify for, you, you'll still probably spend less than someone who you know takes a bunch of tennis lessons at a, at a country club. Yeah, like that's <sighs> that shit's expensive. <clears throat> Scuba divers. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. I, I'm I'm not gonna hate on someone who does that. It's 
just not for me personally. The, the people who I feel the worst for actually are the folks who are like, yeah, whatever, not crazy about the IPF and like all the politics, but like, dude, when powerlifting's an Olympic sport, I want to make sure that I'm in there so I can like win my Olympic medal. It's like, dude, weightlifting's going to get kicked out mm-hmm. any day now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really, you really think they're going to replace it with an objectively more boring strength sport <laughs> yeah. that has yeah, a slower. bigger drug problem? Yeah, that's yeah. slower. Yeah. Visually less appealing. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much taint on powerlifting from a drug perspective that yeah. there's just there's no way. It's like I don't know. It's like people who decide their politics on the income they think they're going to have in ten years. You know, it's, yeah. When it's, it's already, a similar thing. And in in the strength sports <laughs> in general, it's already coming to fruition that strongman is like the most like audience pleasing. Like yeah. these are oh, absolute. Sure. They're absolute fucking freaks. They look like they're out of comic books. They're doing things that, are, like, they're at least moving their bodies a little bit mm-hmm. more than a foot, mm-hmm. and 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 they're using crazy utensils or, or tools to do it. And that's why there's all these TV shows and stuff popping up, and that's why they have the most Instagram followers or whatever. Like, it makes sense. Like, powerlifting is insanely boring, and if you're not doing it just for you, you're gonna get burnt out real quick. For sure, for sure. Yeah. The um, I mean, so like w- weightlifting. I think weightlifting is pretty cool as well. Um, I think it would be probably the most boring strength sport to train for. Yeah. Uh, like, dude, talking to every weightlifter I know, they're maybe the most self-loathing bunch of athletes I've ever come <laughs> across. Because, like, it seems like they absolutely despise training most of the time. Um, right, but love the but love weightlifting. Like, yeah, like, I love no, weightlifting. Like, I hate snatches. Like that's fifty yeah, like, percent of your sport. <laughs> yeah, like the, their sport is so fast and technical. They have like nine bad sessions per every one good session. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so they just seem like they hate it and are super frustrated most of the time. And then they hit that two kilo PR and they're on like cloud nine, and that like powers the addiction for, for the next three like, years. six months or yeah. whatever. But it's a super cool sport to watch. I, I agree. Think. I agree. And even the backroom stuff that doesn't like get talked about on the Olympics and stuff is cool. Um, like the, the, the game day coaching is a lot more intense than powerlifting per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and the strategy, I think I agree. It's really cool. And if I wasn't so old and beat up, I wish I would have gotten to weightlifting when I was younger, but it is what it is. Here we are talking about lifting and hardly lifting. That's where we're at. Now, <laughs> I, I, I just want to see Lasha clean and jerk 600. Yeah, it'll happen. No doubt. What is he? 24? I think he's 26. All right, whatever. In my eyes, I'll call him 23. Anybody that's younger than Mike. Yeah, I, like, yeah. talk about a freak freak. Like, yeah, it seems like he has no injuries, um, but who knows what's happening. But uh, I think it'll happen. At the very least, training. What's his best now, 585, 595 in training? <sighs> I don't remember. That's the dumbest thing to think about. Like, I've pulled 600 plenty of times, but like... It was never like easy. <laughs> like it was never like, let me just fuck around and deadlift six hundred right now, you know. And this dude's yeah. putting it over his freaking head. He he's so strong. It makes no sense. What's crazy? I was talking with uh, our friend Alan Thrall. I don't know if you know Untamed Strength. Uh, we were training the other yeah. day and just shitting around. Um, some of the freakiest of freaks, and it's because of the social media era and obviously what's popular now and then. Um, but like Misha is one of the biggest freaks of all time. Kaklyev, uh, yeah. Like, arguably, the Michael Jordan of strength sports. Like, really fucking good at everything. Like, maybe not the best at one thing, but, like, really good at weightlifting. I think mm-hmm. at least went to Worlds and did really well. Strongman, mm-hmm. top five. Powerlifting, I don't even think he cared or pushed it that hard, but was, like, a 969 guy. And, yeah. and no one even knows his name. We're not knowing. Not? But like... I think they do. Look, Greg, we're really deep in this sport, buddy. <laughs> he, you, you and I are really locked in. But, like, this I mean, he, next generation he, he, doesn't. He, he blew up like circa 2009. You right? Did you yeah, 2009 to the niche of you and I, Greg and Omar Isoff and Eric Helms. That's who he blew up to. But like the the kids that are worried about whether they're beginners or intermediates and buying all the SPD clothing right now, they don't know who mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, and that's sad. Yeah, that that's true. That's sad. That's like kids, you know, not knowing whatever Magic Johnson or something. But well, I, I mean, like. Kids these days don't know who like Larry Pacifico was. True. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And, like th- that was the same sport, and which, also not that long ago. Which is awesome that they know who Ed Cone is. Like that's cool. Yeah. Because Ed Cone does deserve it. But yeah, Larry. If 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 Ed Cone's Michael Jordan, Larry Pacifico's Larry Bird, and you yeah. should probably know who the fuck he is. You know. 
Whatever, dude. Fuck these kids. Bunch of little cucks. <laughs> You, you you know who you know who I think gets like the most overlooked in all of powerlifting history? Huh. Gary Frank. Yeah, Gary Gary Frank still he's uh over by you somewhere, yeah. I don't know. I think he's in the <laughs> Carolinas somewhere. He he broke uh he broke every hundred pound barrier from twenty five hundred to twenty eight hundred, didn't he? Uh, I don't doubt I it. I believe that's right. I, I've seen him lift like once or twice ever. Is he a little bit pre West Side, yeah? Like West yeah. West Side, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, yeah. I just remember that he couldn't stand to have anybody like directly in his his uh, line of sight when he was squatting. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could either in gear raw. Yeah, yeah he get over gear. Seems like you're just playing a balance. Game. Like I, I, I was in a warm up room for an APF meet, and he was like screaming at people to get out of his eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> That's the powerlifting. These kids don't they, they don't know. Yeah, people yelling at you. You got to get yelled at once for giving a shitty lift off or something. Yeah, like, I've gotten my head bit off for a shitty lift yeah. off. The the other person who I think is like criminally overlooked to an absolutely unconscionable degree, and he lifts in this era is uh, Oleg from Poland. Yeah, yeah. What what was it? Either fourteen or fifteen straight golds. He's an IPF guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why. Um, no IPF lifter besides like Americans really have any pull, and, and and obviously the Americans are really good. Shout out to my boy Russ Swole, Russell Orr, who, who's deserving of a, you know he puts out good entertaining content and he's a freak. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like there's you know Bryce Lewis has some following, but yeah, there's not a lot of American guys that people or non-American guys they don't even know who they are. Well, I mean. Uh... Uh, CYC was was big back in the day. Yeah, a little bit. He retired. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and some of Shaco's guys. Um, maybe yeah. in the early two thousands when he had some of like single ply guys that were crushing weights. But a lot of it, it's and, weird. And and ev- everyone knows who uh, Fedosinko is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says weird yeah. levers and mm. yeah. But I mean, I I would argue that just in terms of so I I feel like um. I feel like Ed Cohn and Olick would be kind of like the the Michael Jordan versus LeBron goat conversation. Yeah, because yeah. like Olick's career has been longer, um, and if you went by like counting stats, his were better. But like Cohn's peak was obviously much greater. So I would say like Cohn would be the Jordan, and yeah. Olick would be the LeBron. But we're in a sport where no one knows who the LeBron is. That's true. And you, you're right. That it's weird that it's kind of current and no one cares. And like IPF hasn't been cooler than it is right now. Like right. everyone's Mr. Strict natty God, you know? So you think they would care, but they don't, they don't. Some of the ladies are getting love, which is cool. I think that's really cool. Cause yeah. over, over the past and the ladies, you know, um, Laura Phelps got some, attention that she well deserved but other than that like people just don't care about the ladies becca swanson yeah but now that yeah becca swanson yeah yeah oh my god she was so strong yeah what happened to her she trained with you a little bit yeah jim uh no she didn't actually uh um oh my god what what's her name um trained with us for a while not becca though um can't think of the name i'm blanking really hard right now and i just saw her uh an Instagram post from her. Um, Becca, she got married. She moved to the UK for a while. I think she's maybe back in the US, but I think she had a kid. She just, I think she'd accomplished everything that she was going to be able to accomplish. I think. I mean, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same I mean, thing. When, when, when she retired, she was so far ahead of everyone else. Like, yeah, I can understand just quitting because why keep going? Yeah, powerlifting's weird, and we can open a whole can of worms. We'll close this off in a second, but <laughs> it's one of the few sports, maybe the only sport that really comes to my mind, where no one forces you to stop. Um, either injury, or you're going to have to choose to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know how many people out there listening tried you know, a football route, or baseball route, or basketball route, but at some point, a coach is telling you, you're not good enough, or a recruit's telling you, you're not good enough, and now your career is over. Um, but in powerlifting, if you can get your little ass up to the barbell, you're going to keep going. Um, and so, you know, an exit strategy is a whole other philosophical talk we can have. But you, you kind of have to have one. You can continue to train and do whatever you want mm-hmm. your whole life. But if you're trying to add kilo to the bar after kilo to the bar after kilo to the bar. Well, you know. It doesn't uh, end well. Yeah, I got to hang out with, with Ed Cohn during his last meet and said, like, why? 
what's like, why are you, why are you retiring? And he's like, I just lost the desire to get over 90% again. Like, I just, I don't, I don't care anymore about what I used to care about. And like, he didn't talk about the fact that his, his hips were in yeah, such hurting. terrible shape at that time. <laughs> I do remember that he had a, a giant like bar wound on his back that just wouldn't heal Yeah, for years and years and years and years. It was like, had to keep it like dressed because it wouldn't. Heal. Oh shit. Yeah. So, I mean, like I would want to stop doing that shit too. If yeah. it was me, it's like, I'm, I, I I didn't have to get that injured to decide that I didn't need to do it anymore. I didn't need to compete anymore. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of unfortunate how how like the discussion around aging in powerlifting goes because you know, there there are a handful of guys in their like 50s, 60s who are still outrageously strong uh and have been doing it for 30 years and they're like and people are like, oh, look at them. Like, what's your excuse? It's like, I don't have their genetics. Like, I don't know. They're yeah, yeah. they're they're more resilient than I am. What can I say? Right. You know? <laughs> the co- comparisons are difficult. And I think that's maybe an essential part of, of the, the original question that we ask is it's very difficult to categorize. And you just, I mean, if you, if you, you start a program and it feels like it's beyond you and you're not you're not catching up then maybe it's too advanced for you and if it seems like way too easy and you're not making progress from that then you need to make an adjustment there beyond that i don't really know the the whole categorization of of type of lifter uh based on a on lifting experience doesn't really matter that much i agree answered uh greg thanks so much uh, for taking the afternoon to chat with us uh we really do appreciate it, my man uh where can people find you uh, so you can find me at strongerbyscience.com. Uh, that is my website. If you want to check out the research review I put out every month, along with Eric Helms, Eric Trexler, and Mike Sordos, you can find that at, uh, it's called mass monthly applications and strength sport. You can find that at strongerbyscience.com slash mass. Uh, I am a temporary guest host on a podcast called the stronger by science podcast. You can find that at sbspod.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, that is either at Greg Knuckles or at Official Stronger by Science. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, please give us a rating review. Check out all Greg's stuff. You can find me, Salamite, 2Ks, Instagram, uh, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, all that mess. I am at the Jim McDean on all the social media. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. 50% facts where percent is a word. And we'll talk to you next time.